We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome in to this week's episode of Draft Class. I'm Chris Persianen, your host here, as always, delighted, excited, ready, enthralled to guide you through this week's episode of Draft Class, man. I have so much fun doing these, y'all. I have so much fun doing these pods. So shout out to you guys for making them so much fun as well. And uh, I can't wait for you guys to see this week's interview with this week's guest. Uh, I'll intro him in, in the interview. So let's, how about we clean up some draft stuff for now? Let's start with this. If you go on Twitter, everyone can go and check out. Uh, I did a mock draft of the lottery, see how those first 14 picks might go. Assuming everyone keeps their pick, I did a mock draft of those first 14. Also, the draft class big board, the top 10 has been out, but the lottery big board, we're going to expand it from 10 to 14 guys. And that's going to come out soon in the coming days following this episode of draft class. So make sure you stay tuned for that as well. Get an updated official draft class ranking of the top 14 guys in the 2022 draft class. (laughs) Look at that. All right. I'm going to move things along here and get you guys right into this week's interview. It's with Zach Noble of the new Noble and Roosh show on ball is life. Um, they have NBA players on like every episode and it's a really, really fun show. So I followed Zach for a long time. I listened to his stuff and I've always talked basketball with him on Twitter. You're always going to see me chatting on Twitter with Zach. He's a big RJ guy. Um, not a big IQ guy, so forgive him in the episode because I already know he's going to come on here and start talking about how IQ is not that good. Um, but I know he likes Obi too, so so we'll see how this interview goes. I'm excited to get to talk to Zach because, again, I've been a fan of his for years, and now I get to have him on my own show. This is really cool, and it's it's amazing for me, and it's all love that you guys are the best 
supporters in the world. I couldn't imagine what you could do to like show me more love than you do now. I, I couldn't, I like, I could sit here and be like, Oh, please retweet. Don't, I don't care. man. you guys are incredible. You guys are incredible. I, I love making content for y'all so much. So without further ado, let me get y'all this interview and welcome to draft class. Joining me now on this week's episode of draft class is Zach Noble. Now, Zach is someone who not only is a great Twitter follow, but he's the host of the Noble and Roosh show by Ball is Life. I mean, him and Roosh get some insane guests that like, I just, I don't know how you guys do that, man. You guys are nuts. And, and those people come on, you know, NBA players, whoever it is, and they look like they had a better time than you guys getting to chat with them. So it's going to be an honor for me to be able to sit down with you today here on draft class for dash radio from Bala's life, the noble and Ruth show. No, Mr. Noble himself. Zach, how you doing, man? Welcome to draft class. Doing awesome, Chris. Glad we finally made this work. And honestly, I feel like I'm one of the bigger Knicks believers out there to do or die. I've I've been, I've been a writer for the last few years and um, I still not giving up on Julius Randall just yet, but happy to get a break from my children and be out uh, for a quick, quick chat. Sounds good, man. You know, me with, with Randall, I always think uh, he has had his role in things playing out how they have, but so has the team. I, yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it's helpful to look at everything and uh, not just like blame him. I feel like it's unproductive to think that removing him will just magically solve all of our issues. So yeah, you know, Ju- Julius believers are not even full believers at this point, just believers that he's not evil. I'm definitely at that group. Zach, I got to say for Nick fans that think they recognize the name, but, but uh, maybe don't know the face. And this, this is the guy who got lit up for saying he'd take RJ Barrett over Jalen green going forward. This is the man who took a whole day's worth of shots for us. So thank dome. you for that. <laughs> yeah. Twitter came after you crazy for that take, but I kind of want to start right there at using that as our little, our little trampoline jumping pad, because I've started every episode of draft class. I, have on not to um, like generalize your greatness, but I just to, to add you to an illustrious group. I have what I like to think is a very special guest on every week to talk about the Knicks draft. And I always like to start with what I call an autopsy, uh, you know, of, of our current situation. How are you feeling about this Knicks young core? Uh, we could start out with Mr. RJB. Um, and, and even then, if you want to add a, a B question, because I'm famous for never having one straightforward question and always getting a million thoughts out at once. What do you think about, you know, your friend, Mr. Tips from there from Minnesota and uh, and and what he's done with this young core, how he's affected their perception. So both sides of the coin, just how, how you feel about these Jeez, kids, man, you're throwing both of them out there. You're really making things complicated. So uh-huh. the, the first one itself, I mean, is loaded. I mean, the, the young core, I mean, yes, I was higher on OB top and then just about any, I mean, he was in my top five ish. I thought he even had a higher ceiling than that. And um, didn't shock me where it fall into the Knicks or anything like that. 
Um, that was lower on quickly Robinson before I was higher on Grimes, uh, reddish. I was still believing when they picked him up and then RJ Barrett, I'm as high as, as anyone on RJ Barrett. And I've been from the beginning, I had him number two before the draft. Um, so looking at a big picture individually, these guys, um, I'd still throw miles McBride in there and Jericho in there and not, not to forget about anyone. Um, I believe they all would given an opportunity have a chance to do something. It's just what that is and do they fit together? And um, that's the biggest problem for me with the Knicks core is I don't like the fits really. Um, yeah. You give me RJ quickly um, and Robinson, those guys fit. Yeah. There's two or three. Um, and then Obi, I'm not so sure. Um, I think he could be four guys that fit, but I don't think those are, four long-term starters outside of RJ Barrett. I mean, that's not going to get you much past, like if all those guys reach their ceiling, those four, I don't think that gets you much past the first round. Um, and that's me believing in RJ to the moon. Um, so looking at it, like from, from that angle, it, and then you bring in the tips factor. It's I'm really low on them, to be honest, overall, I'm really low on the Knicks core. Um, if they were in different situations, like last year, for instance, I really thought Obi should have got way more than 17 minutes a game. I was begging for that all year. Um, yes, he improved. I'm really liking the growth. Last Us too, year. man. Yeah. We were begging too, man. I, I heard it from, from Minnesota, no doubt. Uh, but like Quinn Grimes ending with 17 minutes a game, like that one shocked me just looking at, at that recently. But that was probably all garbage minutes, right? Those are not. Nah, I would the Grimes. It took a worldwide pandemic and it took injuries, but Grimes got his way on the court to the point where when we traded for cam, it was a question of whether cam would even play because Grimes yeah. was such a mainstay in the rotation. He really, that's someone Tibbs really liked at the combine last year. That's someone who they drafted and, and in part because of that combine and because of how much Tibbs loved him and, and Tibbs really, really showed that throughout the season. We know if you're a rookie, no matter how good you are, you know, you got to be able to defend. You got Grimes passes all his tests, you know, the contribution without the ball in his hands, defense, Yep. always giving us all like that's, that's a Tibbs guy through and through. So he was getting regular minutes. Uh, but it, I will say it was because of a COVID and injury riddled season that, that it did. Well, that's, start to happen. that's great to hear because honestly, I know I was higher on when I was watching him. It's just, I don't remember if those are garbage minutes or not. And so that's great to hear that they were more meaningful minutes for him. And so that, that makes me believe in him a lot more. And being a KU guy, I was following him since early in his college career and really loved him coming out. And I definitely was much higher on him. Um, so, yeah, I think he's got three and D potential. But again, he's a guy um, I'd like to see get up to 24 minutes this next upcoming year. Um, and RJ Barrett, man, at the end of the day, it's just going to come down to his playmaking ability. Um, I, his defense is almost borderline all defense for me right now. It's been that way for two years. I think he's that good when the teammates around him. I mean, yeah, it's going to fluctuate based yeah. on who's, who's playing next to him. Uh, but also not, when, when Randall's out and, and he has to go full beast mode on offense yeah. and runs out of gas on defense, does that doesn't help either. Yeah, absolutely. So there's, it benefits both ways uh, depending on who he's playing with. I mean, he, you can definitely see his game fluctuate. Uh, based on the talent around him as well. And that, I mean, that's only natural. Uh, but RJ, I don't, 
worry about his dip in three-point efficiency this year. And I think that just came with, I mean, the spacing overall. And uh, losing Derrick Rose, Reggie Bullock, and then Julius Randle going from an A- minus to a B or whatever, B- minus, whatever type of player you want to say he was. But um, he, I mean, <laughs> the year before Julius Randle in the regular season, I would argue he was borderline top 10 guy in the league. Yeah. Top 10 uh, he got he got all NBA second team right. that year. I know, and so a, that, a literal you know representative of that. Like that I'm was not a firm believer season. though. I'm not a firm believer just because you make all NBA doesn't mean you're the top player. Yeah, but of yes. course. I mean, it's about the single season. Yeah. Yes. And no, and I, so I'm with you, and that's part of the argument, no doubt. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, these guys are only going to reach their potential as if Tibbs plays them, and. As soon as Rose gets back, he's going to take away a bunch of their minutes. Um, and I mean, he kind of gave me an FU quickly triple double at the end of the year. Um, that was kind of nice. Um, I like being wrong on young guys. Uh, that's my favorite part of the NBA is watching guys develop and their growth throughout their careers. So, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, minutes, they just need minutes. And um, there's some fits here, but I need to see real two-way fits. Um, then that's what I'd like to see drafting at 11 again. Yeah, man. I think IQ and Obi have a, a synergy that's like palpable. That's, that's my favorite fit is those two, but like RJ, that. RJ plays really well in between them, I think. And it's just a matter of how often did those guys get to share the court, right? Which we know wasn't a whole lot. Um, you just talked about, you know, watching guys develop and, and proving you wrong. Quickly, man, that triple double. I mean, I think if you look at his season stats, his shooting numbers don't really match the caliber of shooter we know him to be. I think you could argue he had a down shooting year and it wouldn't be crazy. We watched him struggle through finding a balance between scoring for myself, the teams, you know, getting the team points that I can guarantee and playmaking for others and trusting my teammates. He can do both of them, but he had to go into a play and and pick one. And when he picked the wrong one, <laughs> he really, really struggled, you know, yeah. as the season unraveled and he finally, you know, we, we played a game against the Lakers that went to overtime. He got nine minutes like the thing, things like that happened. <laughs> and the season went on and on. And finally, he played more and, and got that longer leash. And we saw him kind of get that role that he gets in summer league, which is primary guard. Yeah. You know, the lead lead decision maker on, on the court. And he struggled through the lumps and all of a sudden, boom, this guy's right. averaging 16, five, was it 16, four and five and a half, something like that over his last 20, 25 games. It's just like, oh, hey, those are numbers that show that he's both able to score the ball consistently and also find his teammates. It's just like, whoa, this is good basketball. This is good. Yep. You know, he's figuring this out. There, there is an ostensible growth in his control over the pill and out there and, and what he's able to do, sharing it, shooting it. You know, we, we know he can shoot the hell out of the ball. Again, talk about the combine and how much the Knicks care about it. Go back to his year, go back to the shooting drills and look at his name at the top of all those lists on those shooting drills. I believe it was Perrin's favorite combine drill that he had like the second highest or first highest score in, made like 77 out of a hundred threes or something. I remember that about quickly. Wasn't Obi really yeah. high too for shooting? Catch and shoot. Obi yeah. was was doing good. And then this year he just looked like 
the first half of the year, like he had never shot a ball before. Like every time yeah. he was shooting, he was like, all right, so wait, I've got to keep my arms straight. And then this one goes on the side. And then, you know, uh, at the second half of the year, he kind of switched up that release a little, you see the release a uh, focus on the release point being consistent. And all of a sudden he's making two, three threes a game over his games as a starter. OB averaged 24, Oh man, I believe it was 20, 24, seven and three or 21, seven and three on 50% shooting or more as a starter. How many games? 10. Uh, 10, 10. Ten, oh, 10, okay. 10 games as a starter. He averaged tw- either it was like 20, I'll say 21, seven and three on like over 50% shooting. Like that's just like, hey, that sounds yeah. like what people expected out of Obi Toppin if he was fed the ball in early in his career, like a guy that could produce what regardless of the defense. What I feel like these Knicks young guys all um they're all in their own way working on getting to living up to those expectations yeah. quickly surpassing them. Even, you know, we drafted him in the, everyone, the favorite phrase is like six man type Lou will type, you know, and now he's, he averaged five, six assists over a, a really long stretch to end the year as a lead guard. It's like, Hey, okay. Even if he's not a fantastic lead guard, maybe there's a lead guard in there. Just maybe, yeah. you know, and I don't think the Knicks are good enough to justify not checking in that mystery box. You know, I don't think we're good enough to for this season to justify Alec Burke starting at point guard all those games. Yeah. So I, I totally get your point about Tibbs and actually having to play these kids because we just spent this whole year really frustrated at him for not doing so. Um, I love the, the point you made about quickly, though. Um, it's just trying to do too much. I mean, focus on one thing and being able to be put in a position to focus growing on one thing um, every year and adding to that. Like, I mean, he proved he could shoot the lights out of the ball year one. Sure. Stick with that. Get those same looks. Now maybe add a little playmaking in there. Try being a lead ball handler a little more. Do a little more that way. But don't try to go out and get a bunch of triple doubles. And do like KPJ this year is a great example um, in my estimation is he tried to do too much in Houston this year. And it looked terrible. It didn't work out very well. But he showed so many glimpses. I mean, the glimpses are there. It's just focus on one thing. Get great at that thing. And that's kind of the way stars are developing these days. Yeah. And Tibbs, I I bet you can agree, like tends to do that, tends to incrementally add responsibility. But when you have Kemba and D Rose as your two point guards and they both go down one with washed itis and the other with actual, (laughs) you know, an actual surgery. Um, Yeah. It's like, he kind of got thrust into that position and good for him because again, we're not good enough to justify, you know, like I could say a name that would be pretty incendiary here. Like the, the days of starting Ramon sessions over Frank Mm -hmm. Nilakina, because it didn't matter what Nilakina was. It was about actually taking the time to see what he was, as opposed to just assuming you, we weren't good enough to justify that. Right. I love Jared Jack. Jared Jack was a joy. I don't know why he started every game. It's just like, all right. (laughs) You know, so the the Knicks falling into those tendencies is always going to be frustrating. It does seem though, just from the sheer quantity of young guys, on their roster and from the ways in which Leon Rose talks about these young guys that the front office has them as the, you know, the center of attention that the front office knows the kids are, are what matter here um, that they just also know they have a coach. Do you think that's recent though? Do. Because if it's not recent, then 
Um, I think you, you can blame more the front office than Tibbs, but I, I think they came in looking to build a, a strong young core in New York. They know stars are joining teams that have the infrastructure ready. Stars are joining teams that have the infrastructure ready to be good. Uh, you saw the Nets, you know, D'Angelo Russell is no superstar, but they had a little solid band of buddies to put around him. Right. That then superstars looked at and said, huh, okay, that's a team we could go to. Now, of course, those superstars, pretty unique circumstances with those two. But yeah, like I think they came in saying, hey, we've got RJ Barrett and Mitchell Robinson. Let's see what we can do to turn these guys into members of a franchise that is worth joining. <laughs> right? So is that the transition here? We're trying to figure out a D'Angelo Russell deal for you. Oh man. We you don't want need to Ju- go there. You want, you want Julius? You, you want, you want a little Julius? Cause we can, yeah. we, we no. can do this. Hey man, we could Cat do this. And Julius, that'd be so ugly. They're buddies. Hey, they're friends. They, uh, they do the mobile one commercials together and they both went to Kentucky. They hang out. I think. You know, they're, they're acquaintances now. So God dang, that'd be ugly. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about absolutely blowing draft evaluations. I, <laughs> I think this is a fun spot to head to next. Uh, I'll start with one of mine, Halliburton. Um, I, I just totally said like, oh, the pull-up shooting is going to be really hard to develop. And if you can't do that, he just kind of strikes me as a connector that doesn't really threaten anything besides to make open threes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then he comes out and he's like, hey, check this out. I can do this now. <laughs> Pull up, dribble, you know, whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah. All right. I see how this is going to go. <laughs> this kid's getting way better, way faster than I thought. Um, for me, that was a, a result of my draft philosophy telling me, oh, well, you try to get, you got to try to project a guy into a role. And I kept trying to project Hallie as a, a scoring guard and I just couldn't see it. And because I didn't see it, I totally whiffed on that evaluation. <laughs> For me, I really need, even if it's just flashes, I need to see it consistently. Right. So this kind of leads me to ask you, um, what's your draft philosophy, your biases, and and how have these led to you nailing or whiffing on different evaluations you know what what are some tenets of of the zach noble draft philosophy yeah so i like i like the hallie one to start it off and i was kind of in that category with you i mean the funky mechanics um iowa state thing but here's the thing i mean i was low on him before sacramento so if your evaluation came with him going to sacramento i would to blame you i mean that's where you go to die usually and uh, you don't go to thrive. Um, it's very rare. Uh, but the fact that he did what he did in Sacramento next to De'Aaron Fox with the carousel of coaches and just BS that goes on there. I mean, hey, and then he just goes and does it right away in Indiana. Not saying it, it's leading to wins yet, but he's that type of player where I think he would. Um, I think I truly believe in Halliburton. I, I had him right around 15. So I was wrong on the guy and, Same. and in, in a redraft, he'd go probably top five right now, maybe even higher. I'd have to go look back at that and whatnot. Uh, but five sounds about right. <laughs> and I, 15, I had, I remember I had, Oh, okay. Let's see if I can do this from 11. I had Denny 11. Oh no. I had Denny 10. OB 11, Desbane 12, 
Um, Wiseman 13, Halliburton 14, I think. Well, was, I love the Bane and Wiseman. You nailed I was right there with you. We got those guys, right? <laughs> and for me with Bain, it was just seeing him at TCU and seeing the juice. I saw what he was doing with the ball in his hands. And I said, Oh, that's a guy who can <laughs> basketball like that. I don't know how else to say. I don't have better words than just like he can play. Right. I, you know, you see that dude out there, you see his build. I know he was older, but the dudes are bouncing off him and he can shoot the pill. He's making smart passes like this guy capital C capital P can play. Uh, and I had him lottery just cause I thought he was so safe because of the shooting, yep. you know, but then Halliburton, uh, I had below James Wiseman because I thought he was so risky because of the, the lack of scoring moves, the lack of bag, you know, he didn't, I, I kind of went bag Twitter on Hallie. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, no, I I'm with you. Everything. I agree on Halliburton for me, when it comes to philosophy, um, to be honest, I mean, I try to stay pretty consistent um, as growing with evaluating over the years and um, looking at the, I mean, at the end of the day, I think you got to watch at least 10 games of the top guys to feel really confident in them. I mean, sure. You can, as long as you watch three, five plus, I mean, I watch so much NBA, so it, it's really hard for me. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I've, I love my track record. I, I can stand by it. I feel like I'm I'm pretty good, but um, my my misses come with honestly. I get I get lost in unicorns a little bit. Um, I get I get lost in not the Pokus because he's way was way too skinny. Um, that was a big thing for me. Six um, on my board that year, number six. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't lose on Poku, but uh, here here's a couple. Uh, Killian Hayes. Um, I still believe in Killian's defense. Had him second. Okay. Okay. I'm talking to the right guy. I mean, I had him, I had him four. Uh, but uh, honestly, he was so, he, he looked polished overseas. I mean, I got lost in that. And uh, especially with just coming off of Luca, uh, that was a part of it. And honestly, I get caught up in trends a little bit. Uh, that, that can be, uh, rather than evaluating guys individually and just focus on the individual player at hand, um, I get too lost in like the state of the NBA. Like I'm so wing based. I'm, I'm I've been wing based, and that's one thing I don't think I'll leave. Like I I favor wings. That's why I was higher on Sadiq Bay, Desmond Bain. Um, now this year I got Ochai up there, um, and there's a big tier that I'm, I'm really high on again, uh, but. Uh, guys like Josh Jackson, uh, Ben McLemore. I mean, those are a couple, but um, yeah, I get lost in wings and then guys that uh, shot good percentages in college a bit and guys that, I mean, just were really good in college. I set, I tend to favor those a little bit. What were you a Neesmith guy with those? I was a Neesmith guy. Yes. That's I was, I had him like 28 and I was, t- nice. I said, I said, people, I said, I, I said to people that I have to respect him because I in never in my life in anything, not even basketball, like not, not even flipping a coin. Have I had a, a hot streak like that? <laughs> but it, I thought it was a hot streak and having Bane over Neesmith was a really hot take on Nick's Twitter. So 
I had been above him, but that's one of the uh, that's one of the few I came out on the right side of Okoro over Vassal. I think I'm losing really badly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I, I wanted to touch on some of these misses because I think they're fun. I think they're fun to go through, and uh, especially if you trust your evaluation the way you do, the way I like to think I do with myself. It's fun to go through the misses and be like, Oh, I'm so dumb. How did I, how did I screw that up? It's hilarious. And then even talking to guys um, like Jay Billis or um, Seth Greenberg who have done it forever and just hearing their misses and um, what went wrong and stuff like that. But like guys like Neesmith, for instance, though, like at the end of the day, when you're, when you fall outside of the top 10, um, even fall out of the lottery, comes down to opportunity. Okay. And you didn't really miss on that guy. If that player never gets an opportunity. I mean, if you had him, sure. Top five, top seven, if you had him in that top 10, that means you're expecting no matter what, he's good enough to get that opportunity. But if he doesn't get the opportunity, I don't think you're technically wrong. Uh, But that's just me trying to cover my ass a little bit too, but (laughs) yeah, (laughs) I'll admit admit when I'm wrong. I mean, Killian Ace, Mario, Mario Hazonia. (laughs) <laughs> Hazonia is a is talk about a unicorn. That's a that's a one Kobe, baby. one unique New York Nick is Mario Hazonia. I don't know um, if there's anyone else in the league who can say that in one year they <laughs> went on NBA highlights for blocking a LeBron game winner, dunking on Giannis. Like I just don't like. That guy was hilarious, man. The, the stuff he pulled off. If you ever seen that Mario Hazonia dunk against the Cleveland Cavaliers from yep. when he was on the Knicks, where he just rips it into the rim. Like I was like, oh my God, I didn't know he could do that. Anyway, that's a but Scott instance, Perry. I mean, that's Hazonia, a Scott Perry guy. No, that's a great <laughs> Who's still around. Hazonia, man. He was the fifth pick. He only got 17 minutes year one, 14 year two, and he put up pretty good numbers. and. 14 minutes in year one for a pretty bad Orlando magic team. It's like, that that was just weird to me. Like I thought he could have stuck around and I thought he showed plenty of signs on a team. Like, but that's what happens when you have like a Scott Skiles or a Tom Thibodeau, that type of framework of a coach. They're, they're all the same. Yeah, man. Tibbs. I just, I, I, shock, I shock it up to funny, but like, I'm like, it's funny, you know, cause we deal with it so much, but ah, man, <laughs> so, uh, so many frustrations with Tibbs this year. And I still love him. I still love the guy, you know, Good. you, you ask me what I think about Tom Thibodeau first words out of my mouth. Oh, that asshole. I love him. You know, <laughs> yeah. like I, he's great. He's, he's tips, you know, we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? 
you need indeed. Hey guys, quick break to tell you about Factor. Factor makes it easy to eat clean 24-7 with fresh, never-frozen, prepared meals that are so delicious you wouldn't believe they're actually good for you. Factor saves you time by delivering chef-crafted meals to your doorstep, eliminating the hassle of grocery shopping and meal prep. Not to mention cleanup. No dishes to wash here. Each Factor meal arrives pre-prepared and ready to eat in two minutes. That's even faster than ordering in. Factor tackles the tough stuff so I don't have to. Their registered dietitians and expert chefs work hand-in-hand to create meals with nutritious ingredients. And with 29 meal options each week, I'm never bored. Going off script for this next part to tell you just how convenient and delicious I've found Factor. My to-do list is usually never-ending, whether it's producing this show, hosting my own show final review, preparing a proposal in Long Beach, doing my taxes, or whatever else. I rarely have time for meal prep. When Factor sent me a box to test out, I chose the extra protein option. They sent me a week's worth of meals, and I had no idea just how convenient this was going to be. Each meal comes pre-prepared. You just put it in the microwave for two minutes, wait another two minutes for it to cool down, and boom, in four minutes, my meal is ready, and it's delicious as well. Last night while I was editing this podcast, I heated up the pork shepherd's pie with white cheddar Yukon mash and roasted green beans. Not only was the prep time non-existent, but I was able to get a lunch break in and still get the podcast out for all of you to hear without taking a significant break. They have plenty of other meal options as well. There's vegan and veggie meals, keto, low-calorie options, cold-pressure juices, smoothies, energy bites, plant-based bars, extra protein, the one I chose, veggie sides, and more to keep you fueled and focused all day long. Don't hesitate. Head to go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 and use promo code filmschool120 and get $120 off. That's code filmschool120 at go.factor75.com slash filmschool120 for $120 off. All right. I got to ask you, you know, last week you had Mr. I, I can I can say that uh, Jeremy Cohen's NBA twin, Kevin Herter, you know, uh, got interviewed by you. One of many NBA guys you've gotten to talk to for your show. And, and obviously, you know, talking to them on the show chats before and after recording, you hear a tidbit here, or there has that, has your perspective, um, as it's been shifted, rather, has your draft philosophy changed as a result of that added perspective? Has, is there anything you look for in guys now that players have mentioned to you? You know, is there any little any little tidbits from from players on evaluating even what what have you learned or changed about how you watch amateur players after getting to really talk to pros the way you have? Yeah, so I love that question, and I I mean. Colin Sexton is the first one that comes to mind. Um, had him on um, after his rookie year, going into the year two. Um, but we had a couple of guys uh, pre-draft last year. I mean, Trey Murphy was one of the bigger ones. Um, God, I'm blanking on who the other one. I mean, we've had 65, 70 plus current players on um, now. But um, crazy. It's yeah, it's been a good run. Uh, mentality, man. It's, it's everything to me. And it's such a hard thing to evaluate. I'm weird like that. People give me shit for it. Uh, but like just talking to these guys and that's why I like to interview rookies and prospects and, uh, just to see if, yes, it's a business world we're living in. These guys have other things to do outside of basketball. A lot of them don't, 
love the game, but they do love the game at the same time. There's a fine line. Um, I like junkies, man. I really do. I like guys who live and breathe it. I mean, I don't judge you if you do other things because you can be great and do all the right. other things. Yes. But um can't get too caught up in it. But like I'm I'm a believer in dogs. Like, yeah, that's what that's why I was believing in Julius. But this year, like I went way down on him because I thought he was a mental midget this year, man. I thought he shrunk and um he just got rattled way too easily. And that's where RJ, I just think he's so even keel and but yet he's just got a lion inside of him. Just yeah. interrupt at any time and that's i don't think he sits there and bitches at refs all day and i think he's one of the few guys in the league that are really good like that i mean i think the knicks got a couple of those good young guys that, iq yeah iq if you don't know kentucky coaches I, t- I love telling this story here on draft class kentucky coaches had to lock iq out of the gym overnight because they would go at like 3 a.m and find him working out and not oh, that's awesome so like that kid I cannot say enough. Like he reads his Bible and stays in instead of going out. He works out and and watches film instead of going out. Like he's just he's nuts. And I love yeah. my I love my crazies. Uh, you know, Tibbs, yeah, for all his faults, man, he's nuts. And I love him for that. I love anyone. You think who's crazy Tibbs would love the guy a lot more, but he does. I, I, he, he does. Probably love does. Quick. He it's probably the does. Fact but... that giving quick initiation reps makes him want to have a stroke. I think (laughs) that's what I think is the issue. I think he loves having quick on the floor. I mean, just by the numbers, quick makes the team better on both ends of the court. when He's on the court. Like even like he's six, three with a six, nine wingspan. I think his defense goes under the radar. He's got active hands. He's smart. And he knows where the ball is going to be, where guys are going. And again, talk about having that dog in them, you know, slider up to 99. Like that's what I like about him. Quick is he's a sicko, man. Like he is a sicko. He is uh, addicted to getting better at basketball. And I don't know if if, it makes sense to me that if someone who used to represent players ran a basketball team, that they would be looking to fill their roster with, with those kind of guys. So it makes sense. But on that topic, of, uh, you know, the kind of guys teams are looking to fill their rosters with. I'm going to very, very shamelessly transition here and ask you, let's start with where the Knicks are. They've got 11 and then they've got that, that second round pick in the forties. Um, I believe that they are like the most likely team in the league, probably now to move around, you know, <laughs> Uh, just because of how these drafts have gone since the sure. Rose regime, you know, came in and they've traded up or back or anything for whoever, right? If they stay at 11, let's start there. Who's someone you really like for New York at 11? Who's someone that you think they add to this young core and they could be just really proud about how that draft night went at, with that 11th pick? So my number 11 on my board right now, I don't like it, but I'll just tell you it's Ty Ty Washington. Um, I definitely wouldn't want him going there. I mean, I do think they still need a point guard. I mean, they they don't have one. I mean, unless IQ is for sure the guy and Tibbs hasn't shown me that he's for sure their guy. So um, if you, I know you believe in him wholeheartedly. I mean, it sounds like he's your one, Uh, but um, I wouldn't draft him in that case, um, nor, do I think uh, he's the best pick there for New York? Uh, my guy, the dream for me, um, I, thing is, my five, I think, could fall all the way to 11. Um, and I think five through 
I don't know, 17 on my board would be in play for New York at 11. And I, I want defense. I want defense there. I want high upside. Um, and yeah, lottery end, ticket, take a swing. I love it. Yeah. And, but I'm always an upside guy. And that's another one of my philosophies. Like I, as unless it's like in the twenties, uh, then I want a higher floor usually. I mean, cause the upside guys are usually gone by that point, but um, so number five would be Benedict Matherin. Don't think he's going to be around by then. Um, the dream would be AJ Griffin falling. Oh, that's my language. I was yeah. going to say Ben, ben Matherin. Ooh, ben Matherin is a big Nick fan favorite, but I am team AJ all the way. Yeah. I think the athleticism yeah. is back and I think he's just scared of it. I'm not worried about him regaining it. I think it's there and I think he's going to get comfortable with it. I'm a huge AJ G guy. Man. Like, even if he doesn't like, um, play like a scared Paul George. I mean, play like just, I mean, play like Jimmy Butler with a shot and minus the athleticism. Like, I think he's still going to be a great defender, athleticism or not. I mean, attacking or not. I think he's got such a good stroke and I think he's the, to it. Like at worst, if he gets, if he gets his reps, I, I see OG and an OB, man. I think he's that type of player. Um, I'm that I'm that high on AJ Griffin, uh, but yeah, he'd probably be my number one option just because I like the fit. AJ Griffin. I mean, Shade and Sharp obviously have, would have the highest ceiling if he fell that far, but I don't think he will. The way things are looking, Troy um, Weaver, other- man, Troy Weaver loves that guy. So I I don't right. know if he makes it past Detroit at five, and if he does. Guess who the other team is that really loves that kid? It's Indiana. So yep. if he makes it past five, you know, I, OKC likes him too. But that's the that's the third team I've heard really likes him. But man, that those five and six picks, you know, are the are two teams I heard would have considered him number one if they landed it, and now they they're back to back at five and six. I don't see Shaden making so, it past six. Number two most realistic outside of AJ Griffin would be Ochai for me. I'd love Ochai at eleven. Fascinating. Um, I need to hear about this. This is kind of like the opposite of your upside thing. I feel like. No, that's the thing. People just think I'm crazy about. I think Ochai's got borderline all star potential. Um, wow. Okay. But let's, let's at, the end of the, at, at the end of the day, though, it just comes like at a minimum, he's coming into the league. He's going to get minutes because he's going to be a lockdown three and D guy. Um, I don't see his shot not falling. I think he's just too polished. I mean, I, I truly think. Um, yeah, AJ Griffin might look closer and stylistically look closer to Desmond Bain, but I think, uh, preparation wise and mindset wise, I think Ochai is the Desmond Bain of this draft. I know that sounds cliche and whatnot, but okay, Okay. that's kind of how I look at it. Um, and Desmond became Desmond Bain because of the situation he was into, you know, and I think Ochai. Guy in New York would have that similar type of situation. Uh, but at the end of the day, his ceiling is going to depend on his playmaking ability. And I don't, if you believe in that or not, I don't care. I understand either way, but um, that's where it's really up for question. Like, yeah, I think he can get up to four to seven rebounds a game. I think he can be that guy, but I mean, look at what Andrew Wiggins is doing right now as the number one pick. Like, if Ochai gets an opportunity, he can do exactly what Andrew Wiggins is doing in Golden State. Yeah. I feel you, man. So just uh, 
good and player, you know, so, right. someone, someone who just contributes borderline all-star and that's what Wiggins is right now. He's not an all-star starter. He's a borderline. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with you there. So Agvaji is really interesting. Um, he's someone who gets brought up as the guy that's like, Oh, well, just how far will he fall before a team decides they want three and D but it sounds to me here that you see a lot of value in him falling because there's some more upside than just, you know, with the, the famous yeah. Danny green comp that every single three and D guy gets coming out of the draft every single year is, Oh, well, yeah. you know, you could be Danny. Anyone can be a 48% three point shooter in the finals. Right. Yes. <laughs> He's so much more athletic though. I mean, the dude, I, Think at the combine, he was in the top three guys for vertical and um, overall athleticism. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like Jeremy Sohan way better. I love uh, Sohan I'm, because I'm a sucker for those defensive passers. That's that's why I'm a sucker. Like Draymond Green, man, <laughs> I'm a sucker. You know, so yeah, I, I think uh, he'd be a fine pick there too. I just I'm not a huge believer in his offensive ability, and that's I, I think the Knicks still. I mean. I have a chai over him. I mean, not by much. I mean, but I do. I feel you. For, man. for ceiling. That's because I think Ochai's ceiling's higher. Yeah, Jeremy's floor might be higher on the NBA level. That defense comes along, you know. I, and and I've talked to to Schwinn about this from Nick's Twitter about how he's always skeptical of guys who's, you know, like sell is they can defend one to five because it's rarely true at the NBA level. Yeah. Um, but Sohan to me seems like one and a half to five, like just not small guards. <laughs> I feel like that's a realistic ask of him. So maybe, maybe if he can only defend one and a half to five, that's, that's still not too bad, you know, make up, make up a position a bit, but you, you get that at that second round, you know, people talking about maybe a center, uh, maybe a guard and, and send him to the G league. Like we did Deuce McBride. You know, what, what do you mm -hmm. think if the Knicks keep that second round pick? Is there a, a drafting stash? Would that be, you know, add, add someone like, or add someone to Joe Kubatis's kind of lonely list of the Knicks draft and stash prospects. But what do you think they should do with that second round pick? You know, there was a point where they uh, had no one they liked on the board in the second round and just punted it to Minnesota for a future second round pick. You guys got Daniel Oturu out of that because they didn't want him. Um, I was higher on him. I'll say that. So, That's because I'm a Minnesota guy, though. <laughs> so what do you think about that second round pick for the Knicks and, and how they should go about handling that? But Oturu, to my point, I mean, he never got his opportunity in the NBA. And so at the end of the day, you never know. There's so many NBA players in this, like that have the skill set and potential. They just some majority of them don't get their shot and opportunity. Uh, and he was really good in college um, skill wise. I, I believed in his skill way more, but uh, do you believe in Jericho Sims? I mean, do you believe you have Nerlens Noel? Is he the guy long-term? I mean, Oh man, I know that the Knicks front office had to force Tom Thibodeau to not play Noel so they could see Sims. There we go. <laughs> and I think Sims was better than Noel would have been in those yeah. minutes. So I don't know if Jericho is a future NBA starter. I think they got one in him. I think they they showed up to the 58th pick and said, hey, we're just going to take this 10-year career rotation guy, and that's going to be cool, right? And everyone was like, "Uh, yeah, we'll let him fall to 58. You know, I, I think that was a steal. I think Kai Jones going as early as he did and not really doing a thing last year because of how Borrego is, and then Jericho Sims, his teammate, going 58 
and being more productive for the Knicks in a backup center role than, you know, maybe even he would have been a Kai himself. Like I, I thought that was kind of interesting. I love Jericho. So, I, you know, we can do the, the center debate too. Like, do you think they should keep Mitch? You know what, what do you think about Mitch Robinson? Do you think a Duran or a Williams in the first round, Mark Williams, that is, is something that Nick should look at, or are you just load up on wings and, and go for, go for that center in the second round? Yeah, so if you get Mitch for four for 44, um, that's kind of my reaching boiling point with him. I mean, you might be able to talk me a little bit higher than that, but not much. Um, I just think, I think you only really truly see his defensive prowess if your four can play a little better defense. Um, I, that's, I truly believe, I think he can be a really good defender if you have a good an average guy at the four. Uh, but if you don't, I think he can get pretty lazy and um, overworked. Um, and I don't think he's a guy that wants to be overworked. Yeah. Mitch. Uh, yeah. I don't know. The, off, the offensive game. Um, it's year four and he doesn't set screens and he doesn't take <laughs> shots. Screens so are a big deal for me. Yeah. Like if you're going to pack the paint, it would be cool if when you were rolling to it, you actually like did the first part of the pick and roll and not just the walk around and roll part. Um, so yeah. for me, yeah, like even like a Coloco man, Kamagate, even, you know, there are some centers that intrigue. So me that, those that are two yeah, available I, in that second round. Those are two. That would be good. Um, other than that, I mean, Wendell Moore, Keels, I think those guys fit good with um, what you got going on there. Um, Ryan Rollins might be tough to pass up, but uh, other than that, I mean, Bryce McGowan's, if he fell far enough, uh, doubtful though. Um, He's guys really that, interesting. I, I yeah. don't know what to make of him because there are guys in the league like <sighs> that are really good on offense that are total nothings on defense that, you know, no matter how many points they can score, like when it comes down to it, they're not seeing the court in playoff basketball. And then the other part of it is, should I be thinking this far ahead with the 42nd pick in the draft? You know, right. shouldn't I just be looking to get a guy that can stick? So McGowan's, if he was there, I'd take him right away personally. And, and the reason for that for me is just what he looks like now. I mean, just what you, what you're getting, what the, the clay you're getting already looks pretty cool. Uh, and you get a chance to try and mold it yourself. I'll take that shot. Other, other than that for big guys though, man, I just think, I mean, Brady Manick, I mean, I'd take a swing on him. I mean, I think he's going to be a good NBA player. If he gets a shot, drew Timmy should be fine. Uh, but like does, doesn't excite me at all. He's just got a high floor and a bunch of rebounds and low post scoring. Uh, maybe his shot translates a tad, but I don't know. I don't like the bigs in the second round unless it's Nazosa, a stash or something like that. I feel you. I feel you. So you'd say uh, instead, you know, unless they can safely land like a Duran or a Mark Williams or someone at, at value, you know, say Mark falls to to 15 and they've traded back there and, and okay, we'll take him. Um, you would rather just they keep Mitch? Yeah, I would uh, because I'd rather take more upside at 11 than Duran. I mean, I think Duran is Mitch. I, I really do. Um, and so you don't, you don't see the passing with Duran translating. 
that's people are talking about it. And I feel like I watched them more than just about any of the other prospects right. I've, I've watched. I feel like I got a good read on him and uh, I don't believe in it really. He's not, I mean, he's no KG or <laughs> anything like that. Like, um, yeah, I think he's much closer to Mitch than he is. I don't know. Um, trying to think of an average big man passer. I mean, Clint Capella, maybe. Well, yeah, Capella does the short roll passes right. that I've been begging Mitch to try for years. I, <laughs> you know, that's uh, that's a different thing. I got one more question for you before we get you out of here. I know you got to run, but as someone who has had experience with Mr. Thibodeau, uh, who knows what it's like when he gets to say, obviously he's not the voice here in New York, but you know, I think I think you have a good ability to answer this question. The Knicks are, are, you know, able to move around. The, they they do it a lot, whether regardless of whether the guy is in range at eleven. If it would be a trade up, a trade back, give me a name that this guy is signing his rookie deal with the New York Knicks, and you're not surprised at all that they did what it took to acquire this player. Whether it was trading back again, trading up, one guy that that you think is going to be a New York Nick. Obviously, you're saying that's a rookie that they're going to sign from the Knicks or not? He's no, not on I'm, the Knicks. No, I'm saying from this draft class, you know, if you had to guess one guy they're taking, uh, oh, it doesn't okay. matter where. It could be with the second round. It's just someone you mark as a, a Knicks, a Knicks guy. Uh, this guy's going to be a New York Knicks. This front office is going to love him. God damn. I really like AJ Griffin, man. We, you got me excited about that. Even All more. right. I, I came in with that. Um, it would be the steal of the draft if he went to 11. Um, I think the fit with RJ would be just so sexy. Um, add him to Obi. Oh, I, I, that's something I can believe in. Because uh, I, I truly believe if AJ Griffin gets it all back, I mean, shoot, I think he's PG. <laughs> hey, man, I love that. I, I hate uh, putting such pressure on a guy, but I right. do love that comparison because that's also like one of my favorite kind of basketball players is the athletic playmaking wing, you know, and Griffin's shot is just one hell of a starting point. So it's yeah. crazy. His stance though, like um, he has a wider <laughs> yeah. stance than that. I just can't get over that. But like, I mean, it's, it's, a it's a looks like he's then. getting ready to squat, but yeah, no, it's going in. So maybe you yeah, and Desmond I learned- Bain's the widest stance I could think of. That's kind of comparable, but even this guy is much wider. Uh, yeah. But then when he gets into the mid range, it tightens up. Which is odd to me, but re- you know, regardless, you know, we, we not to use him as an example, as a standard of any kind, but yeah. I think Steph's legs have landed differently every time he's shot in his career. So <laughs> real quick, do you think Ty Ty is the Knicks guy? I mean, oh, Kentucky, I mean, I got to say no. And the okay. reason for that is similar to what you said, you know, with what they've got with, with how they've been investing in what they've got, giving IQ those primary roles. I think they really like what they have in quickly. I know they love what they have in Barrett and Toppin and I love having those guys in the building. Washington is someone who they're going to have that intel on from Kentucky and who I don't know if they'll see that extra um, ceiling for him. You know, quickly they saw that he could be a playmaker because he was never passing at Kentucky Mm. and that if they could get that out of him, he could be a different tier of player than people imagine. I don't know if they see that. That's AJ Griffin, man. That hidden upside. AJ Griffin. There we go. Stepanak. Westchester, he's from right nearby. He was pictured shaking hands with Mr. Tom Tibbs at the combine as as Tom was chatting up his dad. So yeah, I'm right with you. Hoping AJ Griffin's a Nick. 
Zach, before I officially let you go, go ahead and plug whatever you'd like to your heart's content. Yeah, I love it, man. A lot, of, a lot of fun. Glad we finally got to do this. Um, anytime you want me, I'll have my scheduled more pack coming up here. But um, Noble and Roosh show Ball is Life. That's that's my work. You can see me all over there. Um, we just recorded a show with Kevin Herter. It'll be out early next week. Um, a little bit of delay. Baby's happening in this house. Things getting crazy. But uh, Zach Noble on Twitter, that's where you see me. And then um, all over ball is life. So 65 plus current players, get a lot of big names coming on as guests. That That's our vibe. So also standing RJ Barrett. Uh, I'm stuck yes, to him. I had him over jaw and got to ride it out. Hey, I'm with you. All right, everyone. That is going to do it for this week's episode of draft class. Thanks for tuning in to the interview with Zach Noble. Go follow him on Twitter. It's Zach with a K at the end. Uh, just a K. No C. Noble, like the word. And then go ahead, follow him on Twitter and go ahead and check out his show too because like he said during the interview, they got 65, 70 active NBA players on that show, man. It is a great, great production. So again, really glad to get to have him on. and really glad you guys stuck with me here and are still hanging out here on Draft Class. It's finally time for class to be over. That bell's got to ring. So I want to thank y'all. I want to remind y'all to stay tuned to my Twitter. The Draft Class Top 14 Big Board is going to be coming out soon. And the Top 14 Lottery Mock Draft is already out on my Twitter page. So you can go check that out. Stay tuned to the Knicks Film School YouTube and to the podcast feeds because Cream Cat rules everything around me and regular KFS interviews are popping and are out like all week long, all the time, like literally just content churning out in the off season and it's all fire. I don't know how else to put this. Like we got you guys covered. So check us out and stay tuned. Much love as always to some brighter orange and blue skies this off season. And I'll see y'all next week on draft class. Thanks for tuning in. Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.